0: No wonder Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. You see, it's easy to get deceived if we go off on our own and point our wisdom and knowledge, which is so limited in reality, over the Word of God.
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Hardy, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, Visit us online at VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest.
0: Well, good morning. Again, my name is Russ Miller. It's great to be here again this morning. I think it's the first time I've been in Flagstaff in about three years, Um, and that was speaking with Pastor Tim and uh, Victorious Life Christian Center. Um, Actually, Tim uh, and there's one other fellow, Carlos Mendez, with a a church here that uh, they're actually the only two pastors in Flagstaff that will let me share this information, um, which is typical. It's not just Flagstaff. It's across the board, and I'm going to talk about that uh, this morning because this is the time. This is the time to start believing in the Jesus Christ found in the Bible, no other. The Jesus Christ who warned in the last days false Christ would mislead many. How do we keep from worshiping a false Christ? I mean, people that do so don't do it on purpose. They've just been fooled. How do we keep from being fooled? We read God's Word, and we accept God's Word. We believe in the Word of God. So that's what believers do. They believe. Seems like that message has been lost today. So we're going to talk about this today. Uh, Think about this. Jesus said that Moses wrote of me. Do you think it was important to Jesus what Moses had to say? He said, Moses wrote of me. And through the inspiration of God, Moses is used to lay down the foundation of the gospel message in the first and the third chapters of the book of Genesis. Right at the very start, one of the first things, in fact, the first thing God does is he lays down the foundation for the gospel. You see, you have to have a solid foundation to build upon. The first thing they did when they built this structure, I guarantee you, was they laid the foundation. See, if you don't build on a solid foundation, your beliefs... eventually collapse so you have to build on a solid foundation that foundation is this i call it the cost that foundation starts out with god gave us a perfect creation it was perfect you know who the creator was don't you jesus christ all things were made by the word the word became flesh and dwelt among us jesus is first our creator when you deny the creator guess what you're doing you see where i'm going And I'm not here to attack anybody. I used to be a theistic evolutionist. That's a Christian who tries to blend evolution and death and suffering and millions of years into God's Word. Today we have gap theorists, theistic evolutionists, progressive creationists, day-age theorists. It's like, wow, does anyone believe in the Jesus Christ found in the Bible who created in six days, rested on the seventh? That's the only Jesus found in the Word of God, my friends. So I'm here to exhort you and to give you reasons for the hope that is in your heart. The creation was perfect. God gave us a perfect creation. Hey, have you ever heard someone say something to the effect of, um, man, there's death and suffering everywhere. How can we have this loving God? Have you ever heard something along those lines? It's one of the most sought-after stumbling blocks that atheists use to undermine uh, young Christians' faith. Well, in fact, here's a a letter to the editor from the Arizona Republic. A 10-year-old girl was hit by a drunk driver and killed. And someone wrote, let the clergy explain what their so-called God's plan was for this poor child. This is proof positive there is no loving God. And millions of people stumble over this question and lose their faith. Millions upon millions. Charles Darwin is a perfect example. How do we have a world full of death and suffering yet have a, a loving God? Well, let's go back to the foundations. You see, God didn't give us a world full of death and suffering. God gave us a perfect creation with no death, no suffering, no pain, no tears, just like the new heaven will be in the nearing future. Well, what in the world happened to it? Well, Adam's original sin. You see, Adam's original sin brought on the curse that allowed death to enter, and there's the answer to how come we live in a world full of death and suffering, yet have a loving God. It's a pretty simple answer. In fact, if you leave here with nothing else today, know how to answer that question. Because 95% of Christian adults can't answer that question today. Um, That original sin is much more important, though, from a Christian standpoint. See, Adam walked in the garden with God. Why why don't we walk in the garden with God today? We see that original sin separated man from his loving creator. And it was that separation caused by Adam's original sin that required Jesus' death on a cross to redeem those who believe in him with him for eternity in heaven. And that's the foundation of the gospel message. I call it the cost, the creation, original sin, separation, and the cross, the need for redemption. Now, Moses also told us through the inspiration of God that God has judged man's sin once already with a flood of waters that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. Now, come on. I mean, come on. Let's be, we can be honest with ourselves today, right, Pastor? Okay. Okay. If there had really been a global flood, I mean, come on, wouldn't the evidence be overwhelming? There should be nothing to even talk about or argue about. I mean, I would think, if the Word of God were true, and there had been a global flood, the outer crust of the earth, you know, that we live on and walk on, would be made up of sedimentary layers of rock that had been laid out by by water, had been stratified out by the moving water. So you had all sandstone, all limestone, all shale, etc. I, I mean, if there was really a a global flood. And I would think those layers stratified out by the moving water would be made up of, you know, full of billions of things that were drowned and buried so quickly in that year-long flood, yeah, the flood lasted a year, that um, they wouldn't even have time to rot away or be eaten by scavengers. Well, what do we actually find today? Well, the, uh, the outer crust of the earth averages a mile deep of sedimentary layers of rock stratified out by moving water full of billions of dead things that we call fossils exactly what would be there if the Word of God was true. And the Word of God is true. Word for word and cover to cover. This is actually the whole linchpin in the War of Worldviews, whether or not there was a global flood. And most Christians don't even give it a second thought. I'll I'll show you why here in a few moments. But moving on, Jesus said, if you don't believe Moses' writings, how are you going to believe my words? And because of the teaching of billions of years leading to Darwinian evolution, two religious beliefs, not millions, billions have rejected Jesus around the world. You see, the humanistic religious worldview, which is based on, think about this, the exact same sedimentary layers of rock laid down by water. People ask me all the time, Pastor, they say, hey, Russ, what evidence do you have the Bible's true? Well, the exact same evidence that atheists use to say it's not true. Don't we live in the same world? Don't we have the exact same evidence? It's not about the evidence. It's about who gets to interpret the evidence. And see, they own the system, and they interpret the, take the sedimentary layers laid down by water. They say, hey, wait, there was never a global flood. No, no, those layers formed slowly over millions and billions of years of death and suffering. Well, wait a minute. That teaches that death existed before man. That means, hey, kids, what they're teaching, and this has been taught in our schools now, we're in our 54th year of teaching this belief as if it were science, what they're teaching kids is, kids, there was no creator. There was no perfect creation corrupted by some original sin that allowed death into the world, separating you from some supposed creator, leaving no need for redemption. They're actually teaching it was billions of years of death that brought you into the world. The Bible says it was our sin that brought death into the world. See, they're polar opposites. Atheists understand this better than most Christians do. This from the editor of American Atheist. If there was never an original sin, there's no need of salvation. You see, no original sin, no separation. No separation, no need for a redeeming Savior. Now, Jesus said you'll tell good from bad by the fruit. We're to tell good from bad by what's produced by it. A good tree will bring forth good fruit. A corrupt tree will bring forth evil fruit. Tell good from bad by the fruit. Today, it's estimated that 85 to 87% of Christian-raised children will leave the church by the age of 20. This has been going on for about 15 years at this pace. The reason churches are getting grayer and grayer. I speak in a lot of them. Well, not all of them, but most of them. No wonder Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. You see, it's easy to get deceived if we go off on our own and appoint our wisdom and knowledge, which is so limited in reality, over the Word of God, who has infinite knowledge. Now, see, for the past 54 years, we've officially taught our kids, anyone under the age of 80 has been taught this as science, that evidence certifies planet Earth is more than 4 billion years old. I mean, how can you argue with it if it's proven and certified, right? They're saying billions of years of death brought you along. Well, just in case those old Earth beliefs aren't quite as certified, as they say, I want to show you in the next few minutes where those old earths are, how they're derived. And when you see this, you're going to realize the truth of God's word, how he trumps false science, as Pastor Tim was talking about. <clears throat> going back to this, since this is all anyone's taught, it's what, it's what most people believe. doesn't mean it's true, it's just that's all they've been taught. Um, I want to show you how hard it is to get over something you've been taught to do, even when the evidence is obvious and and right in front of you. I want you guys to uh, participate with me on this. You're just going to talk out loud to yourself, but everyone will be doing it. But look at this visual and say the color, not the word. Go ahead. Yellow, blue, black. Try it. Say the color, though, not the word. Yellow, blue, black, orange. Chartreuse. Chartreuse, (laughs) yeah. Oh, wait a minute, now, why is that, why do you really, really have to concentrate to do that? Why is that hard to do? Because you've been taught to read the word, not say the color. So once you've been taught to see something one way, it's very hard to see it any other way. But operational science, which I call real science, is knowledge derived from the study of the evidence. Now, real science is a Christian's best friend. You know, I spoke in some public high schools up in Oregon last year, and I'd always start out, boy, the kids would just be glaring at me. And I'd start out by saying, hey, um, of the 200 or so branches of modern science, how many do you think were started by Christians in order to study God's creation? None. Try over 85%. Almost all branches of modern science were started by Christians. We thought we had an intelligent creator. He put laws and mathematical uh, probabilities in place to govern his creation. That's what started modern science. It's been undermined over the last 150 years by secularists, etc. But the Bible says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Have you ever heard someone say, we're not supposed to prove the Bible? Well, that's not what the Bible says. You see, God wants you proving things. His word is true. And real science is on your side, despite all the propaganda and false science out there. You've probably heard of carbon dating, one of the more popular the isotope dating methods. It's used on organic remains. They measure the amount of carbon 14 in items. Now, <clears throat> carbon 14 is manufactured in the atmosphere, and during the process of photosynthesis, plants breathe in CO2 that contains. Trace amounts of carbon-14, C14. Now, when a plant or an animal dies, or I should say when an animal eats a plant, it gets C14, in them. when we breathe, we get C14. All of us have trace amounts of carbon-14 in us. Now, when a plant or an animal dies, it stops eating and breathing, or at least that's always been my observation, Pastor. Um, so the carbon-14, we stop taking it in, and it starts decaying. It decays away over time. The few scientists that actually, remember, there's 200 branches of science. People say, well, well, doesn't, doesn't science prove Darwinism? If you go to a, a scientist in almost any branch other than biology, they're so biased. I'm going to explain the issue there. If you say, hey, what evidence do you have of Darwinism? They'll say, we don't have any. The other 199 have it. So, he gets the next one. What evidence do you have? Well, we don't have any. The other 199 have it. You don't go around the entire circle. Nobody has any evidence that ever took place. I'll show you why it's scientifically impossible in a minute. And But they think everybody else has the proof. No. But think about this. The C14 in items decays away, and it should be gone in less than 80,000 years in measurable amounts, okay? So, therefore, the less amount of c14 in an item the older it dates i mean that makes sense right but since it'll be gone in less than eighty thousand years they can't date anything but a few thousand years at the most okay does that make sense so it's been proven not to be reliable though because they compare it to the amount in the atmosphere from what's in the item in the ground but the amount in the atmosphere keeps changing it's going up and down extremely large changes so there's no nothing to compare it to, so it can't get good dates. In fact, they this from Science uh, magazine. They dated living penguins eight thousand years old. <laughs> living snails dated twenty-seven thousand years old. Oh, come on, a snail couldn't last that long for someone accidentally stepped on it, right? This from the Anthropological Journal of Canada. The uh, troubles of carbon dating are undeniably deep and serious. Half of the dates are rejected. They're thrown out. There are gross discrepancies and accepted dates. You know the published dates you get to see? They're actually selected dates. Wait a minute. You mean they just pick dates they want things to be? Yeah. Where do they pick it from? And this is the key here, my friends, from the man-made geologic column or time scale. The isotope dating methods get wild dates. They have to get a date that will match the column. This is really where Old Earth beliefs come from. And this is going to become very uh, important here in just a moment. So follow me on this. This was invented in the early 1800s just after George Washington passed away, when a modern weapon was a musket. Modern transportation was a new saddle. They they made up this drawing of 12 primary layers, and they gave each layer a name, assigned an age to it, and assigned what they call index fossils to them. The index fossils are the key here. The index fossils supposedly went extinct while that layer was forming. So it wouldn't be found in the newer layers above because it was already what? Extinct, right? So they assigned ages to the fossils and to the layers. Let me ask you a question. Where did they get the ages 200 years ago? They made them up. Where else could they have got them from? So, they made up the ages. So, in fact, this uh, this textbook tells kids on page 306, we date the rock layer by the fossils found in it. Okay, fair enough. But where do they get the age of the fossils? It says on page 307, we date the fossils by the rock layer they're found in. We date the rock by the fossil and the fossil by the rock. It's a total circular argument, and this is where the old earth beliefs come from. For instance... The index fossils, any layer found with an index fossil, like the lobe finned fish, which they said was extinct 325 million years. If they find that lobe fin fossil in a layer, everything in that layer is dated 325 million years old. That's how they date things. Except the lobe fin fish has been found alive today, not extinct 300 plus million years. So those layers could have just been a thousand years old for all they know, right? And I like to uh, be as fair as possible. Although schools only give the humanistic, you know, side of the story, I like to give both sides. I mean, you know, I say that fish living today refutes the old Earth dating methods that put death before Adam. But you can look at the exact same evidence and so say no, it just proves that scuba diver is three hundred and twenty-five million years old. <laughs> You'll have to decide for yourself which one you want to believe. I think it's relatively obvious, but here's a problem for the uh, geologic time scale and the old Earth beliefs: those index fossils keep showing up alive today. They're showing up alive today by the dozens. It completely blows our older dating methods out of the water. In fact, they have a scientific classification for the living index fossils now. There's so many of them, they call them Lazarus taxon because they've risen from the dead. My friends, they never were extinct. We just hadn't discovered them yet. So I hope I made it clear the geologic column is, base, is where the Old Earth beliefs are really derived from. Because it's important to understand it's only found in the correct order of the 12 primary layers with the corresponding index fossils in the right order, two places in the entire world that I know of, school textbooks and museum displays. It has never been found in that order in the natural world Even the old Earth faithful claim it's only found in one-half of 1% of the Earth's surface. And I've checked out 20 such locations, they claim, and it's none of the places they told me about. So I've never seen it. No one's ever seen it in the real world. In fact, this from American Journal of Science, radiometric dating would not have been feasible. It wouldn't work if the geologic column had not been there first because they picked the date from the column. That's where the dates come from. Yet, this textbook tells kids, earth has changed much in four and a half billion years. Say the color, not the word. Hmm, interesting. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. You see, a pinch of compromise with secular and atheist beliefs can cause you to invent an entire different theology, a different gospel. The, the Bible warns us. Jesus warned us in Matthew to beware of, you know, false Christs and false Gospels. We're warned repeatedly about this. Yet today, 90% of accredited Christian colleges and seminaries teach some form of an old earth belief that put death before Adam. Well, this has been going on for 50 plus years. And it's filled the church with leaders who have compromised on these issues. Usually, folks lo- love our messages and our information, cause their faith to skyrocket. It's the leaders that keep blocking us, except for a few handful of God honoring pastors. <laughs> See today. Now, since these old earth beliefs were invented about two hundred years ago, they're, they're relatively new invention. The first thing Christians came up with was the gap theory, trying to trying to trying to put that millions of years between Genesis one one and one two. And that has a different creation that Satan and his minions messed up, God God destroyed it, and then they pick up with Genesis 1, verse 2, and they have the creation that God calls very good, but he left it full of Satan and his minions? He destroyed the other one because of Satan and his minions, makes a new one and leaves it full of Satan and his minions? That just doesn't make any sense. Progressive creation, theistic evolution, all. Trying to put millions of years of death and suffering into the Word of God. Here's an email I got. I get a lot of these. He says, I'm a pastor and hold a degree in physics. What gives you the right to go around telling people your uneducated opinion the Bible's creation and flood stories are true? God. I mean, really? Come on now. Yeah, you see, the problem is he has taken the secular and atheist interpretation of the world as science And another problem that we we all have this, we all can do this, is we try to lock God in by what nature is capable of doing. Well, nature can only do this, so that's all God can do. Oh, no, my friends, God made nature during his six-day creation. Nature is nothing to God. He made God at a spoken word in an instant. He is not locked in to what nature can do. If I had some Play-Doh up here and made a little bowl... Would that mean the only thing I can do is make that little bowl? No, God's not locked in by his creation. And the problem with the seminaries and colleges teaching this is that, one, think, think about this on a timeline, okay? The timeline is in the beginning God created. First five words of the Bible. Jesus Christ says man was made male and female since the beginning, And the biblical message is man's sin corrupted a perfect creation, allowing death to enter, separating us from God, requiring our redemption through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once you've taught death existed before Adam, you can't teach Adam's sin brought in death, separating us from God. Do you see that? The foundations have been destroyed. They've been undermined. I speak in church. I have pastors all the time come up to me and say, I never even thought of what death before Adam did to the gospel. It undermines it undermines the faith of billions of people. You tell good from bad by the fruit. The Bible is such an awesome book. I talk about science a lot and show people how they can believe the Word of God, despite the false science out there. But really, the best proof of God's Word are the prophecies. And so when I get someone past the hurdle of the science, I take them to the prophecies. You know, the, the Bible is the only book in the history of the world to live on its ability to correctly predict the future. Hundreds of prophecies have been made that have already come true. The handful left, shaping up right before our eyes today. Pastor Tim referred to this earlier. It's a very exciting time to live. If it wasn't for the Bible, it would be a very frustrating time to live, right? I get frustrated by some of these things, and I think, oh, wait a minute, but isn't that what the Word of God says? I think we'll praise God that we have the Word of God. You know, one of the, one of the great prophecies in the New Testament is found in 2 Peter 3. Think about this. It's, we're told they'll come in the last days scoffers. You guys see a scoffer? I see him all the time. I was out with Pastor Tim a little while ago, and some guy came up to me and said, I won't believe the Bible unless you can scientifically prove it's true. Boy, before I could react, Pastor Tim jumped up and grabbed the guy in a headlock, started twisting his nose back and forth. and The guy's nose started bleeding, and he let the guy go, and he said, Pastor Tim, why did you do that to my nose? He said, well, son, you wanted a, some scientific proof the Bible's true, and in Proverbs we're told the ringing of the nose will bring forth blood. So, so, you've got to keep a close eye on Pastor Tim when you're out and about, okay? That's all I'm going to say. But I think we can show God's Word's true without drawing any blood or suffering today. Let's go back to God's Word. They'll come in the last day's scoffers who are going to be willingly ignorant. They're going to choose to ignore That by the word of God, the world that was being overflowed with water perished. The Bible foretold that in the last days, nonbelievers would deny there was ever a global flood. That is what secular geology is totally based upon. The denial of the global flood, believing those layers form slowly over millions of years, not quickly in a global flood. A global flood explains how the layers form quickly, wiping out every old earth belief, including Darwinism, theistic evolution, progressive creation, gap theories, every belief that puts death before Adam. That's the reason they deny the global flood, and that's what secular geology is based upon today. Here's another email. As a Christian with a college degree, I'm utterly embarrassed by the garbage you spew out of your mouth. Science proves there was never a global flood and death existed long before man. To believe anything else is delusional. Delusional to believe the word of God? That fellow should have been here today. Now, see, I, I get a lot of flack like that, but my, I'm actually trying to evangelize Christians. See, I used to go to NAU. Oh, we, I had, we had NAU, my wife and I had NAU on its knees back in 2006. We spoke there 14 times, rented Klein Auditorium. It was packed full, standing room only. Every time we had did the hour-long message and hour-long Q&A, the professors had nothing left. They had given all their kids extra credit, come there and harass us and ask questions and and try to deny the Word of God. And we stood there, and we answered and answered and answered. And at the end of that time, at the end of 2006, they had nothing left. The Christian pastors could have come in and proclaimed the Word of God. Instead, they all lined up behind the atheist, radical homosexual professor who hates Christians and built him back up. And turned and attacked me for having the audacity to come on their college campus and challenge what they were being taught. Hmm. In fact, that professor the next year started an anti Christian course attacking me and biblical creation. They ran for at least four years at NAU. I don't know if they still run it or not. But think about this belief in the age of the earth. And I mention that because this is a very serious problem inside of today's church, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue we would win if we would open up our eyes and just look at the biblical side of things. You see, your belief in the age of the earth, whether you know this or not, and I hope after this morning you'll realize this, your belief in the age of the earth isn't based on isotope dating methods. It's it's based on whether those strata layers formed over millions of years of death and suffering or quickly during a global flood. Oh, and I mentioned the carbon-14. The C-14 would decay away in less than 80,000 years. Think about this. Recent scientific testing, real science, a believer's best friend, has found all fossil-bearing layers down to the bottom of the Cambrian that we're told is 600 million years old uh, still have carbon-14 in them. That would be gone in just a few thousand years. Oh, and better yet, it's in the same range of amount from the top layer all the way through the bottom. Which means what? They had to form in the same event. Only a global flood can explain that. Did you know that it never has an oil deposit or a natural gas deposit been found that doesn't still have carbon-14 in them that would be gone in just a few thousand years? Do you know that in the last uh, 15 years, more than 50 non-fossilized dinosaur bones have been found that still have blood cells, amino acids, DNA, and soft, flexible tissues in them? Did you know that? They carbon dated some last year, had lots of carbon-14 in them. They can only be a few thousand years old. You see, all the sedimentary layers laid down by water in which they're found, they were laid down by water. See, only a global flood can explain this. And a global flood wipes out every old earth belief. See, if there was a global flood, it doesn't just wipe out old earth beliefs. It wipes out Darwinism, which is based on old earth beliefs. And if you have uh, issues with the age of the earth still, because I have only covered a, a handful of things here, I cover it much more in our Old Earth Global Flood, in my book, The Cost, including uh, the Ice Age, Pangaea, Continental Drift, coal layer formation, etc. So all these things that uh, secularists say we can't get over, we can get over in a matter of seconds, given the opportunity. You know, the Bible, again, back to those prophecies. Now, this was given to the ancient Israelites, but they were told people would turn their back on God, saying that a stone had brought them forth, People are going to say they came from a stone? Well, you know, today in in our day and age, I mean, we would never let anyone convince us we came from a stone, right? Because we're way too smart for that, right? Let's go to the modern textbooks. Kids, earth is thought, believed, to have formed four and a half billion years ago. It started out as a big ball of hot rock, and oceans formed as it rained on the stone for millions of years. They're teaching our kids that we evolved from a rock. I have people come up to me all the time, and they'll say, "Oh, you Christians believe your invisible God created you." I always look them right back in the eye and say, "You you believe we came from a wet rock? You should try it. It takes the wind right out of their sails." They, well, this is what they'll do: they'll stutter backwards and regroup. We don't believe that. You're trying to make fun of our position. Oh, no, no, I'm not trying to make fun of your position, but you believe in the Big Bang, right? And they'll say, yes, don't get into which one, we're in our fourth version. You believe in the Big Bang, next to nothing blew up and formed everything, right? Yeah. And it formed this big rock, right? That's the earth today, right? Yeah. And it rained on that wet, sterile rock for millions of years, right? Where do you think we came from? And they'll go, wow. I do think we came from a wet rock. (laughs) And you've just prepared the soil to plant the seed because they didn't realize what a ridiculous belief that is. Because they've been told it's science. Maybe by somebody with a PhD in physics. Say the color, not the word. Here's another email. You make Americans stupid by convincing weak-minded people. Your invisible God created the world. Face it, Darwinism is a proven fact. Now, think about this. If Darwinism had taken place, wouldn't the evidence be overwhelming? I mean, if, if, we, um, if we came from a wet rock and slowly evolved through millions and billions of years of death and suffering, the evidence would be everywhere. There's never been a single piece of evidence found of Darwinian evolution. I speak on college campuses. I say this loud. I say it clear. Professors can take their best shot. They've got nothing. They've never had anything. They just own the system. And kids think, ooh, he's a professor. Now, if there's a professor in here, I'm assuming you're probably not one of them or you probably wouldn't be here today. But what about real science, the believer's best friend? What about the law of biogenesis, that life only comes from life? This is a real, a scientific principle of real biology. So how do they get life to start from non-life, from this wet, sterile rock, if life can't come from non-living matter? Well, this textbook tells kids... <clears throat> As a fact, all the many forms of life on Earth today are descended, stated as a scientific fact, from a common ancestor found in a population of primitive unicellular organisms, stated as a fact. How is anyone supposed to stand up and argue? You've just been told it's a fact, right? Well, what evidence do they have that this happened? Since science is knowledge derived from the study of evidence, what well, says right here, no traces of those events remain, from the big bang, to the big rock, to the rain on the rock, to the poof moment where life starts, to the single cell creature that evolves to everything, there is not a shred of evidence that took place. And p- kids are being taught this is science, and that's why they're losing their faith. They think, they've been lied to, and they think science has refuted the Word of God, when real science is still our best friend. We just don't own the system. And real science is knowledge derived from the study of that evidence. So at the uh, NAU course, Attacking Me in Creation, they used the book by the uh, president of the National Center of Science Education, who is one of the world's most outspoken atheists. That's her bias. So I thought, well, let's go to this book used at NAU to attack Christianity, and let's see how they explain how life started without God. And on page 26, it says, the origin of life was not a sudden event, but a continuum of events with, well, uh, a lot of iffy stuff in the middle. That is the modern college scientific explanation of how life came about without God. It happened, but we just lost it in the iffy stuff. This former uh, Harvard professor and Nobel Prize winner stated, modern biologists, having reviewed the downfall of spontaneous generation, that's poof, life starting on its own, yet unwilling to accept creation are left with nothing. They've got nothing. But they own the system. They say, well, if you had the raw material to form life and given enough time, the magic ingredient, and a source of energy, life and tremendous design complexity would come about on its own. Well, we can't get life to start from non-life, even in laboratories, it's way too complex. So man can't make life start. But let's just say we had the raw material to, to form a building. Let's say we had the brick and mortar to form a building. And for time, we gave them a billion years, And for a source of energy, we haul it up to the top of a five-story building, and once per second, for a billion years, we push off this pile of brick and mortar. After a billion years, how many beautiful brick structures do we get? We get this every time, right? You take that same pile of brick and mortar, throw in some human intelligence, you'll get a beautiful brick structure every time. You see, the difference between our intelligent biblical designer and naturalistic random chance... Is immense. Now, this hammer was found encased in rock. Well, they teach our kids they evolve from a rock. If I told you this hammer was evolving from this rock, what would you think of me? <laughs> you would think this guy's a nut, right? Why? It's just a hammer. Well, because the hammer shows too much design to have formed on its own. And all it is is a piece of iron and a stick put together. You are hundreds of trillions of times more complex than a hammer. Why in the world do we let people teach our children they evolved without God? From a wet rock. Mind-boggling. This atheist and Nobel Prize winner said, anything we scientists can do to weaken the hold of religion should be done. He doesn't realize, number one, he's pushing his religion. You know, everybody has a religious belief, and it biases their findings. An atheist, that's the... Probably the most ardent religious belief out there is atheism. You see the design and DNA, etc., and you think it came from nothing, from a wet rock. I mean, come on. Most atheists are actually agnostics, by the way. Uh, that's someone who knows there's a higher power, but they say they don't know what it is. I have atheists come up to me all the time. I'm an atheist. Like, I'm thinking, well, that's your problem, not mine. Like, that, like I'm supposed to be mad or something? I just say, you know, I, I actually don't believe in atheists. I think you're really an agnostic. And every time they hang their head and go. Yeah, I, I'm really an agnostic. I don't know if anyone has the faith to be an atheist. But he said anything they can do to undermine people's faith. That includes lying, cheating, stealing, and filling textbooks full of frauds, my friends. Have you ever heard you're 98% the same, your biochemistry is a chimpanzee, proving you're a close relative to chimps? You ever hear that one? You know, real science, the believer's best friend, I've had studies that show a 30% difference. So why do they still say a 2% difference? In fact, if genetic similarity proves our evolutionary past, they should tell kids they evolved from worms. Your biochemistry is 75% the same as that from some worms. In fact, your biochemistry is 50% the same as that from a banana. Anyone evolve from a banana? Just, just two? Three or four? Tim, you got three or four. Last time I was at a college, I asked that. 500 students raised their hand, and they were serious. Because they've been taught, it's a scientific fact, we've all evolved from a common ancestor found in a population of pruner unicellular organisms. That would mean you are related to bananas. So when I got home that night, I got online. You know, Julie, you can check your family trees. There wasn't a banana in the whole bunch. And I was glad. I didn't find it very appealing anyways. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah get out the hook right <clears throat> okay here's a college textbook telling kids look this unity of design in the bone structures of the of the flipper of a whale or the foreleg of a horse cat dog or the forearm of a human they have two bones and them proof they've evolved from a common ancestor notice how most of their proofs are always drawings Go into any college textbook biology book advanced biology book their proofs are almost always drawings See, there's an old saying. It goes like this: Darwinists are experts at drawing things that never existed to support their theory that never took place. Yeah, you take away their box of crayons, they've got a big problem on their hands, in my friends. But couldn't you say they have similar bone structure because they have the same designer? Yeah, I drive a Ford pickup truck. My next door neighbor has a Ford van. Their dashboards are identical, and it's not because they evolved from a moped. it's because they had the same designer, right? Similarities. Hey, kids, especially kids in high school and or college, remember, any argument of similarities proving evolution is a better argument they have the same biblical designer. Keep that in mind. Biochemistry, bone structure, it does not matter. Now, see, the word evolution has many meanings, and this confuses people. Darwinists love this. Uh, if, if you try to nail down a college biology professor to, de, to define the word evolution, they will refuse to do it. Why won't they define the word evolution? I mean, in real science, we break things down to the millionth of a degree, right? Why won't they define the word? Well, because if they did, they would have to, everyone would see there's no evidence of Darwinian-style evolution. You can call it different things. For the, for the purpose of discussion, we'll define Darwinian evolution, one kind changing into another kind, given the magic ingredient of billions of years, as macroevolution. There has never been an example of Darwinian macroevolution found that will hold up to scientific scrutiny. Real science, a believer's best friend. Now, microevolution is biblical, and it's all that is ever seen. It's better to get the word evolution out of there because Darwinists use it to confuse people and mislead people. It's these micro-adaptations. You know, you can go to the pound and get a pair of dogs, start breeding dogs together, and take traits among the puppies. If you start out with mutts and have the widest gene pool, you breed dogs for 100 years, you might come up with every type of dog in the world today. That's just micro-changes, dogs bringing forth dogs after their kind. How many examples of non-dogs would you get? Cats, porpoises, pumpkins, whales? Zero. That would be Darwinian macro change. Now, so it's a scientific fact kinds only bring forth after their kind. Why is it vital for Christians to understand that it's a scientific fact that kinds only bring forth after their kind? Because 10 times in the book of Genesis, we're told plants or animals will bring forth after their kind. And today... In the year 2017, the only thing that has ever been observed is that kinds only bring forth after their kind. Here's a science. For example, Noah didn't have to take all 350 types of dogs on board the ark. He only had to bring a pair that had the full canine gene pool, and they brought forth dogs when they got off the ark. There's a scientific principle here. It's called gene depletion. These adaptations are caused by the. You start out with the parents' gene pool. The adaptations are caused by the recombination of that information or loss, gene depletion. It's what breeders use. If you want to breed uh, purebred yellow labs, you breed dogs with traits that breed out, lose the other information until you get a purebred. Purebreds have the weakest gene pools. So they now teach neo-Darwinism. It's based on three false assumptions, that mutations create the new and beneficial genetic information. That's where the information comes from. Then natural selection makes the mutant take over the gene pool, given the magic ingredient, millions of years of time. Given enough time, they say we overcame the law of biogenesis and mutated our way to everything on earth, including what they consider to be the ultimate mutation, which would be you and I hey, if you want to believe you're the ultimate mutation, that is your choice. I say we are made in the image of God, just like the Word of God has to say. Oh, here's a big problem for for, uh, neo-Darwinism. After millions of scientific experiments, we find that the mutations are also caused by gene depletion, the sorting or loss of the starting information. Now, this book's, you know, natural selection. I call that God's QA program. If things kept losing genetic information, everything would go extinct in about 1,500 years. What keeps everything from going extinct? Well, if things lose too much genetic information, they die off. That's what we call natural selection. There's not a selector there, they just die off. That's God's QA program, keeps his creation strong. Yet this book tells kids how natural selection causes evolution, talking about Darwinism. It would actually prevent it, if anything. But here's how, for 15 years now, I've been showing folks how to scientifically destroy Darwinism in four seconds flat. Start, although they teach to the PhD level, mutations and natural selection lead to neo-Darwinism and get rid of God. In real science, a believer's best friend, we find that gene depletion plus selection makes Darwinism impossible. Well, that was three seconds. Yeah, try it. Gene depletion plus natural selection makes Darwinism impossible. I, t- I say four seconds, it's really only three seconds. I'm just trying to be generous. You might be thinking, well, come on, Russ, what about the ape men? We've all been showing the ape men, you know, the closest link, the hominids between ape and man. Here's a new textbook showing kids, humans, related to all sorts of things like jellyfish and worms with a nice red line. What more for proof could you want than a nice red line? How about some fossil evidence? Let's look at some of the famous hominids that have misled billions Piltdown Man was the messiah of evolution from about nineteen ten until the mid-1950s. It misled not millions, billions of people around the globe, and then finally in the mid-50s, it was discovered these jokers took the skull cap of a human, the jawbone from an orangutan, filed them down so they fit together, acid treated both sides, buried them in a rock quarry in Piltdown, England, waited two years, came along and dug up Piltdown Man and spent the rest of their lives as world-renowned evolutionists speaking on any college campus they wanted to, on a total fraud, misled billions of people. So many people, we eventually kicked creation and prayer out of our schools 50 years ago. How's that been working out for us? Hmm. Nebraska man was used as proof for Darwinism. All they found was a piece of a broken tooth. Then they reconstructed Nebraska man, his family, the tools they would have worked with from a piece of a broken tooth. Then it was later proven that tooth came from an extinct pig. There's a real Nebraska man right there. So Lucy's been the Messiah now for evolution for the last 40 years, even though when they found it, they knew it was an ape, stood about three and a half feet tall. But they said, well, the knee is slightly bigger than a normal ape's knee, proving it's it's becoming a human. If you took a knee joint of everybody in this room, they'd be different sizes. That doesn't prove anything. They say, well, the, the, the thigh bone, the femur angled down to the knee. In humans, we have angled thigh bones. They forgot to mention all tree-dwelling apes have angled femurs. And the knee in question was found over a mile away and 230 feet deeper in the straddle layer. Yeah, if that was Lucy's knee, I want to see the airplane that hit that monkey. <laughs> must have been going about 700 miles an hour right through the treetops. This from 30 years ago, anatomists having concluded these are not a missing link between ape and man, and they did not walk upright like a human. They hunched over, drug their knuckles on the ground. Yet here's a modern textbook showing Lucy walking upright like a human being, and evidently talking on a cell phone. (laughs) Pure fraud. You know, I always say this. Well, look, so the last one I'll look at here, Tomei Man, he's now one of the new ones They say he's older than any hominid ever known, but when they found it in 2002, Nature Magazine said, this is just an ape. Look at the skull. Does that look like a human or an ape? It's a gorilla, doesn't it? Science News said in 2002, it's not an ape. It has apes. I mean, a human It had apes' teeth. It didn't walk upright. It's just an ape. So they wait a few years and put it in the textbooks and tell kids this is our closest link. In case you say it's me saying they... That they've got no evidence? They've actually got a key theory to Darwinism that explains why they've got no evidence. It's called punctuated equilibrium. If you ask a professor, why is there no fossil evidence? Punctuated equilibrium, don't you know anything? What that means is evolution happened in a quick spurt of time and then a long period with no evolution, they call it stasis, and a spurt of evolution and a long period with no change, and because of that, no evidence got captured in the fossil record. They've got a theory to explain why they've got What? No evidence. I thought science was knowledge derived from the study of the evidence. But a review of Darwinism will show no one's ever seen anything Darwinian macro evolve. The fossil record shows no missing links that hold up to scrutiny. We don't, Out of the hundreds of millions of living species, we have no half this, half that anywhere. And the global flood wipes out their magic ingredient of millions of years. So I spoke in Grand Rapids two years ago by a Calvin College. Calvin College teaches theistic evolution. So they sent 50 of their science honor students to my message to harass me in a loving Christian way, I'm sure. And I did our science and Darwinism and destroyed Darwinism. I walked off the stage. There were curtains at the edge of the stage. I just got behind the curtains. Three of their students came running up the steps right in my face. This one young woman said, I hold an advanced degree in biology and came here to debate you about Darwinism. And you just show me everything Calvin College is teaching is based on a lie. I said, well, praise God. Go back and tell Calvin College to start standing on the truth of God and his word. Well, evidently they didn't do that because last year Calvin College professors came out and announced publicly there was never an Adam or an Eve. Oh, this is a growing trend in Christian seminaries. Here's why they say that. Think about it again on the timeline. If you're teaching that millions of years of death brought us into the world, theistic evolution, progressive creation, gap theories, you can't teach Adam sin brought in death, separating us from God, recurring our redemption. They figured that out probably because they my message there. And they realized, well, we've got to either humble ourselves to God's word or, oh, hey, we'll just get rid of Adam and Eve. You see, when you start compromising God's word, you have left the truth. And you're on a slippery slope. And I crush Darwinism and our science and Darwinism. But, um, you know, Jesus tells us, Behold, a, a sower that went to sow seed, the Word of God, he, he haphazardly spread the seed. Now, don't mis, misunderstand me. We are always correct to spread the seed. God will use it where he chooses. But I think there's a lesson here. This, most of the seed was devoured, produced, produced no fruit, but the seed that fell on good soil bore fruit up to a hundredfold. I'm thinking in today's society, like the Apostle Paul, when he spoke to the Greeks, he started by teaching them about creation. He prepared the soil. Then he planted the seed to reap a bountiful harvest. You know, you can check our DVDs out here. Uh, 14 of my messages are on those. I don't copyright my DVDs. I, I encourage people, if you get my DVDs, make a million copies. We have people, that's their whole ministry, giving out copies of our DVDs around the nation. My book, The Cost, covers a lot of good stuff. I'm going to speed up here just to uh, move ahead. You can check those out. Uh, Outside, so I had a, a pastor who was a gap theorist read this book and call me and said, I, I read your book on a cross-country flight. I took off after 30 years of teaching the gap theory. I took off as a gap theorist and landed in Phoenix as a Bible-believing creationist. <laughs> now, we've got some neat things for kids out there, too. And our rim and raft trips, uh, Pastor Tim and I are talking about trying to do another one. We'll talk about it more. But we did one together. Uh, how many of you have been to Grand Canyon? What did you think when you saw, first realized where the creation rock was from at the end of day six? Wasn't that awesome? Well, nobody showed that to you. Hey, you know, they teach it formed over millions of years, right? You know, it, it's a mile from the rim down to the river. That's a lot of straddle layers laid down by water. You know what they won't tell you at Grand Canyon? used to be a mile and a half of layers above today's rim. And I can show you proof. In fact, right behind my head in this picture, there's a 900-foot butte, a remnant above the rim of the mile and a half that used to be there. I'm pointing to a 2,000-foot cliff north of there. It's called the Grand Staircase where they picked that up. But let me end with this from the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and all things were made by him. The Word of God is our Creator. The Creator is the Word of God. And the Word, our Creator, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Our Creator, the Word of God, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Jesus also called himself the bread of life. So he's the Word, the Creator, and the bread of life. But when tempted by Satan, he told Satan, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. And my friends, that means word for word and cover to cover. And that includes that the Word is our Creator. That includes that our Creator judged man's sin with a flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heavens. And it includes that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, so He could live a sinless life and die on that cross in our place. His shed blood covering our sins. It includes that that Word defeated death by rising again the third day and that that word has now ascended and sits on the right hand of the father as our intercessor and he's coming back and he's coming back soon and we better be ready for it pastor tim god bless you guys come on put your hands together church
2: Come on, let him know you appreciate him today. The worship team is going to come back and join us, and we're going to have the ushers come forward. We're going to receive an offering for Russ's ministry. How many think this is a pretty worthy ministry that goes around the world helping people to understand? Folks, this is real stuff. Now, think about it. Peter was written in the first century, 2,000 years ago. The Bible proves itself. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy proves. So almost 2,000 years ago, the Bible foretold that in the last days, right before Jesus' coming, they're going to deny that the earth was ever covered in a flood. And they're doing it today with a vengeance. Why? They're doing everything they can do to dismiss there's a creator. You say, well, Pastor, why would humans do that? Because it's the God of this world that is pushing it. Yes, Satan himself trying to get people, believers and non believers, to believe that there is no creation, that it all just randomly happened. Why? Why would that happen? Because Satan hates everything about God. And he knows if you can believe in creation, if you can believe in the fact that Jesus died at Calvary and rose again on the third day and sits at the right hand of the Father ever interceding for you to be saved and to live a saved life, if he can get you to deny all of the categories of that, then he can take you straight to hell with him the place that God did not create for man, but for the devil and his angels. He didn't create for us. But millions and millions, truthfully, billions and billions, are going there. That's why we have to stand up. That's why we have to have people like Russ Miller come. I encourage you to come back Wednesday night because it's going to be an open forum in our Wednesday night service. He's going to teach us and help us to understand, you know, and and bring out the fact that the Bible tells us where dinosaurs came from. The Bible actually talks about dinosaurs, but not 65 billion or trillion or gazillion years ago, but the fact that they walked right with man.
1: From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Centers with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win Podcast.